Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello, hello, hello guys. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have a very special guest on and it's actually Seth Barner. Now for those of you guys that have been listening for a long time, Seth was actually one of my very few or my very first few guests on the podcast and he was on the podcast in September of 2020, I believe if I'm remembering correctly. But I brought him back on partly because I just enjoy talking with Seth. We always have really good conversations. We relate a lot to our experiences of binge eating and bulimia and that sort of thing. Um, He has such a good insight to share with everyone. But actually, after last year's podcast, he went into a tailspin of bulimia and it was really hard on him, but he learned so much. I talked with him a lot throughout his journey. I've been in contact with him and I think now that he feels like he's out of it and he has come full circle he's learned tons more than he expected and since i've been talking with him i really wanted him to share his insight in the journey so he's a lot to say and i think some of you guys who are skeptical of intuitive eating or feel like you're trying a lot of things and that are online and they seem trendy but they aren't working for you i think you'll find his message comforting and helpful and a little bit of relief And um, hopefully he can offer you another insight if everything that's mainstream isn't necessarily working for you. We bring up some skepticisms with intuitive eating and some like abstinence from certain food, which is kind of a taboo topic in eating disorder recovery. So if you feel like you're not ready to hear something like that, you can feel free to skip this episode, but I think it's very insightful. Take everything with a grain of salt, but this, what he's talking about, you might relate strongly to. So anyway, I'll let you guys listen to the episode. Otherwise, I went on vacation. I'll be posting lots of pics of Universal Studios, of Universal Studios um, on my Instagram. And I'm sending out an email today with like, I think seven lessons I learned um, from into from the vacation I just went on. But I think the biggest thing that I learned and had to relearn again was that one, um, it's really important to make time for rest because it just won't randomly happen. You have to plan for it or you'll just keep staying in the spin of things. Another one is that uh, when you step away from your actual life, you can see things more clearly than when you're in it. And then thirdly, um, don't obsess over food. It makes things worse. Allowing yourself to enjoy the food like I did on vacation is the best policy. And then maybe fourthly, it was other lesson. I don't know. Having fun is good for the soul. (laughs) It doesn't have to be so deep. Having fun was really helpful. We had such a good time, took so many photos, got to experience so much Harry Potter stuff. I'm such a nerd for Harry Potter. So I really enjoyed that. I got myself a mug that says Polyjuice Potion. Anyway, I'll stop rambling. You can take the episode, this long episode of Seth. I hope you guys enjoy it. I think it's a good one. Um, And also keep an eye out because Seth is releasing a podcast soon and the podcast will be called the undivided self podcast so and that ties in nicely with the theme of this episode too but look out for that you can follow him on instagram um and he announces that and then at the end of this episode but he'll be creating a new instagram and podcast soon and it'll be released so look out for that all right bye guys really long time
That's amazing. I'm glad to hear that, Seth. I I was thinking about it. It's been, you were on the podcast last September, I believe. So it's been a full year since then. And you've been through a whirlwind. Well, cool beans. So let's not delay anymore, but let's just get it started. So Seth, welcome to the podcast. Um, And for people listening, Seth was actually on the podcast last year and it was a very insightful episode. Definitely recommend listening to it. But I brought him back on because a lot has happened to him in the past year. Yeah. And so Seth, let's just like get it started. What what has been going on for you in general? Okay, so I'd say since I guess uh, it was last September that I was on the podcast, um, my kind of insight was more so around binge eating. Um, I was coaching on binge eating. And then ironically, uh, <laughs> I don't know if discover is the right word, but I discovered uh, maybe bulimia and Mm -hmm. that kind of reignited the entire path of the binge eating, except I would say it was on a different level this time. It's like it came back with a vengeance because there was this irrationality of, well, I can just get rid of it. Um, So I'm sure anybody listening to this has had that mindset before. It's like, well, I can... Mm -hmm. And not only that, but for me, because I had, I've had so many digestive issues, it was like, oh, this is a great way I can uh, mitigate those digestive issues that I had with binge eating. And it's like, it, I would really say um, it went from a really bad habit to what I would consider uh, an addiction for me. And so mm-hmm. I kind of found myself kind of had this identity crisis because here I was as a coach, uh, you know, helping people with binge eating. And now I'm struggling even harder than I ever have before with this now. And yeah. so it's an awful feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's, it, it's been an on and off thing and it's, but I will say it's been now being off. Um, it's, and I would say, you know, nobody knows the future hundred percent, but at a level now where I feel like I've, I've never felt better than I have. And I feel like it kind of, it brought me through some of the lowest points that I've ever been through. But because of that, I've gained not only insight about myself, but just insight, I think, on just on how and why so many people struggle with this. And mm-hmm. it's just, so I would I like to kind of normalize it because I don't think it's not normalized bulimia, but just, I guess I've, I've learned that it's much, it's much more common of a thing than I once thought um, for a lot of people. But for me specifically, um, it's definitely something that I can see why it happened. And now looking back, I can see just the nuances that I couldn't see before because of what I have been through. Yeah. Um, And if I could like say something real quick, what you said about normalizing that, I'm not sure exactly. I think you're referring to other things, but also normalizing the fact that coaches and people in positions of like giving information out have things going on behind the scenes. And you're not, I just talked to someone yesterday who they've been in their profession for 30 years and they're struggling with binging. It's like, it's not uncommon. Um, And it, we've talked about this a lot too, but I feel like it's wrong to think that that can hinder you as a coach. I feel like you being someone who it's so fresh in your mind is one of the best people to help someone with binging because you like you get it <laughs> you get it you you're in it or you were in it recently it's like this is a it's a good thing in a way even though it's obviously painful and you wouldn't have <laughs> wished that on yourself 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's, that's a great way to say it is, is normalizing the fact that, especially in like the social media age, it's so easy to portray something um, because you have knowledge about something uh, and then kind of hide even unintentionally behind the scenes of what you're actually going through. But I think mm -hmm. going through that, there's, and this is very evident in your content, which is what I love is that there's a language almost with binge eating or bulimia or eating disorders in general that you can tell if somebody's been through it. You can tell the thoughts that they've had. Sometimes you can tell in their content or just the way they speak about it, that they've had experience with this. And it's not just something that they learned in a classroom. And I think that yeah. that's invaluable. But yeah, I think it's the idea that, you know, coaches can't struggle or that, um, you know, that they're beyond human essentially is definitely mm -hmm. something that is not true. Yeah. And no one like uh, when you when you see people like that, that act as though they and this is getting off topic, but they act as though they don't have any problems and they're completely perfect. It's very unrelatable. And you're kind of like, I don't think you get it. So I don't think you can help me because I am not you in any shape or form. Yes, absolutely. That and then also that I think what goes along with that is this idea that, oh, well, this person or that somebody portraying the idea that, hey, I found this and this works for me. So if it doesn't work for you, uh, you know, there's something wrong with you or like, you know, you just need to get on my my wavelength. And that's what I realized well, is this is a very individual thing. Yeah. And that that's kind of a good segue of what I wanted to ask you. And, I, and if you want to talk about something else, please let me know. But um, you were kind of in that boat of, of struggling with bulimia, struggling with binging, and then feeling like, what's wrong with me? I keep doing what people are trying to tell me to do, and it's not working. So could you tell us about that? Yes, absolutely. So there's a very big push. Um, I guess I would say, first of all, having come full circle now, I think we often, and I know I have, maybe found the solution at some point or found what worked for us, mm -hmm. but like second guessed it because it's not what we saw worked for somebody else. And so I think, well, for me, intuitive eating did not work well. I think in maybe there's like, I feel like there's somewhat of an intuitive knowing when you take a step back and you look at what has worked for you and what hasn't in the past and saying, well, what, and there's kind of like a, I don't know if it's your, maybe your conscience or how to say it, but Anyway, so I'd say I, I looked at intuitive eating. I tried, um, you know, mindfulness. Um, I can, I could have the head knowledge about every tactic, every strategy out there. Um, but for me, what I found is the more that, the more things I quote unquote tried, uh, the, the more confused I got, the more in my own head I got. I'm someone that's, I'm a very deep thinker um, and that can be a good thing, but on with binge eating or bulimia where you feel like you are two people, essentially, um, it can be a really bad thing because you're constantly at conflict with yourself. It's like, well, one day it's, it's you know, one day it's abstinence, the next day it's intuitive eating, and the next day it's this, yeah. and you keep, and I keep having, I would keep having these um, like epiphanies where I'm like, oh, I, I figured this out. This is what this is what I need to do. And because it made sense logically, but the thing is, is bulimia is not a logical thing. It's uh, it's a very impulsive, very compulsive thing that 
it's almost like sidesteps that logical side of you. You can be logical when you're, you know, away from the food, when you're not uh, having an urge or going through all that. But I think the more that I think I found that maybe these things could work for me if I just continually, if I wanted to spend a lot more time and effort and going in circles for a lot more, like, you know, if, if you push something hard enough for long enough, you can make it work, but at what expense, mm -hmm. you know? And for me, when I, when I stepped back and I thought I need to, I need to find the most efficient, the easiest route mentally for me, um, rather than trying to do, I guess, what other people were doing and following the narrative that was working for other people. I'm totally happy that it worked for them, um, but I also had to step back and realize like, hey, maybe like this doesn't work for me because I just, the way I process things is different than somebody else is processing that. And everybody's individual experiences, the thoughts that they've had, the way that they process things, that's such a big thing with any kind of recovery. And I think so knowing yourself and thinking back to the way that you think and what has worked for you, at least for me, that was a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. Yeah, that was a beautiful way you said that. Um, choosing what you what works for you mentally and the fact that that process, you get to know yourself so much better. Um, and confusion is a huge thing that spends big, when I talk with people all the time, the biggest thing that trips them up, if like we, you know, they had a plan, they're going to do it, but then they start overthinking and thinking this way and going back and forth. And then they're suddenly, they don't even know what they're doing, even though it's very simple in some ways, what to do, they get in their head and they have all these different methods coming at them. And then they just, of course, just, it's like a binge or completely throw in the towel, whatever. So that happens a lot to people. I'm glad that you brought that up. But also, I love that you said, like, trying what works best for you, the easiest way for you. I think that's true on so many levels, too, because what you're doing now, maybe that won't be the case in a year from now. Maybe you'll need to switch it up because there's something easier for you to, to do then as well. Like, I don't eat the same way I ate when I recovered. It's completely different. I mean, there's still, like, a lot of principles there. But it's different. So I think that it's good to point out that it's just better to do what's simplest and easiest always, and then baby step from there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's right on the mark and so well said. And I think um, one part of this was one part of this whole recovery, I guess, for the past year. Part of it, um, I know I, I reached out to you and we worked together for a little bit, and that was extremely helpful. And one thing that was very insightful is you would ask me um, basically what was working for me, or you would kind of, you were very open to helping me come to that conclusion myself versus like pushing what worked for you onto me. It was very mm -hmm. it was the complete opposite. It was like helping me find that clarity. And I think that is the power to me of working with somebody that has been there, but also is, it's not necessarily them pushing what worked for them onto you, but helping you come to those conclusions yourself um, because yeah. for me what I kept realizing I would tell you like hey this worked for me and you know so you, you said well you know what's stopping you from continuing to do that and like that mm -hmm. question for me was that was kind of a, a light bulb moment because it was it was like well why why am I not doing this and it was well really what and it came down to it is because I thought that I was somewhat lesser or that I didn't have control of my own mind that was a big thing for me was this struggle for 
like because I couldn't quote unquote moderate certain foods, or maybe I could, but it would take every ounce of willpower really and energy that I had. Yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. so I kept spinning in circles trying to fit a square peg in a round hole, as they say. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, it just it finding that moment of clarity of just finding what worked for me was was huge. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's interesting, first of all, that I like when you reflect on the questions that I asked, I was like, oh, I asked the right question. Cool. But <laughs> but it is like a lot of coaching is just asking questions to help people find their own answers. And I think as, as me as a coach and you probably too, you give it, you do a little bit of both. You aren't just like, I'm going to give you no help, but I'm not going to give you no answers right. <laughs> and whatnot. You talk and consult, but then also you need to ask them questions because the you know, a lot of the answers are in your own brain and you know you best. So when you ask people, instead of just preaching to them, it helps them come to their own conclusions, as you say. And that that feels a lot better to me too. When I'm, when I'm trying to work through something, I'm much more likely to do it if I've come to my own conclusion about it instead of just listening to someone talk about it, which is why discussing it on your own or like journaling or anything, any way to formulate your own thoughts is really important. Yeah, totally. And I, I think the, uh, just being able to, so there's something about verbalizing your thoughts that it's like it puts them out in front of you so you can actually see what you're thinking and you can really kind of evaluate those thoughts at a greater level. And also having that feedback from somebody, somebody that I would say, um, I don't know how to phrase this, but maybe it's in a, a normal state of mind. And I would say that when you're in binge eating or bulimia, you're in a distorted state of mind. So it's kind of like when you're, it, it's like I've, I've heard it said, when you're in the picture, you can't see the frame. And it's, uh, oh, yeah. it, it's like when you're so caught in something, like you can't, and you're you're so caught up in a habit that you repeat it every single day that your brain is like you know it's like when you're it, your previous podcast was great at talking about this but like when you're drunk you know you're not in your state like a normal state yeah. of mind so it's like when you look back you're like why did I make that decision it's like well I wasn't in a normal state of mind and for me taking a step back and realizing I'm actually I wasn't in a normal state of mind waking up every day like having you know these urges to just eat all the food um at any time that that's like that's not normal and it doesn't mean i'm there's anything wrong with me but it means that i've developed this abnormal state of mind over time and so for me i had to get back to i had to realize that i needed to kind of get my biology my neurochemistry like back to a normal state to actually be in a position to make um informed decisions on a regular consistent basis um without mm -hmm. second guessing myself yeah, I think that's a good way to put it too. It's not that it's bad, but it isn't necessarily normal. And normal, when people say that, they get kind of like upset because it's like, oh, well, what is normal? And like, sure, yeah, there's so many different variations, but it's definitely odd to like be waking up. You're not only in a hangover phase from the binge and purge that's going on. So that's just completely effed, but then you have this constant drive going on. So you're not necessarily thinking the clearest that you ever would be, or at the very least, you're not thinking about the way someone who doesn't have an eating disorder is thinking. So, yeah. but how did you, um, how did you kind of take the steps to get your neurochemistry and biology back into place? And I know obviously maybe things aren't perfect still or whatever, but how did you take that, that step? Yeah, so I, the biggest thing for me was realizing that I needed to get out of my own head. And when I thought back in the past, the only thing that can, 
I think that can truly get us out of our own head is, is taking action with, and this, like, this was key for me, is taking it with trust. Um, because when you trust something, you, you kind of step out, you step outside of your own head and you say, you know what, like everything in my body doesn't want to do this right now. For me, this was, this was taking a break from all the foods that I would binge on and not only taking a break from those foods, but taking a break from the entire thought process. I've heard someone say that it, it's kind of like boarding a train and it's like the second you, and you've talked about this before with like the roller coaster analogy, which is great mm -hmm. because there, there's a point at which you start going down that path and it's almost like your brain is locked in to, well, you know, maybe you're, you're not binging yet, but it's only a matter of time and you're, you're kind of already set on that. So for me, I had to take a step back further from that um, and think about, what, what triggers like are actually, or what things do I do that I I'm really only doing because they're eventually going to lead to binging. So for me, that was mm. going to the grocery store, like every single day of the week. Like I didn't need something from the grocery store every single day of the week. I could buy yeah. stuff in bulk, but I knew that a part of me only wanted to go there because I was going to binge and the repeated loop. And I, that we, that I know I helped process with you was I would tell myself, I need to go prove to myself that I'm going to have these foods in moderation. And so I would go, I'd start to have a moderation and then I realized, and then again, I would switch methods like in that moment, uh, which was like, well, you know what? Like maybe abstinence is a solution. So tomorrow I'll start abstinence. Like tomorrow I'll start this. Mm. And so whatever got me to binge in that moment, that was the thing. And, it, and I know that's illogical and like saying it now it's illogical, but when you're in that moment that uh, like your that prefrontal cortex part kind of, shut down almost so to speak and you're not you're not thinking clearly because mm -hmm. you've trained that part of your you've trained that primal part of your your brain to be so much stronger than your rational brain and so for me when i thought about it i think when it was it was really it was deciding to take a break from those foods and trusting that over and not only taking a break but focusing on other things at the same time I was taking that break. Because if you take a break from yeah. something and all you're thinking about is what you're not having, well, as soon as you stop that break, you're going to go right back to the same habit. Mm -hmm. But I think every day I would, I would wake up and I would either journal or I would really just pay attention to what was changing in my mind as I was taking this break from things. And it was like every single day I got a little bit more mental clarity, a little bit more mental clarity and the further, the more distance I got from those foods, the more I was able to see them for what they were. And I think before we talked about like, well, what is normal? Well, for me, I realized that normal was being able to evaluate consequences and whether something is worth it or not with a sound mind. Because mm -hmm. when I think about my relationship with alcohol, which I've never had a problem with, probably because I, hard, I just don't drink very often. Um, but, you know, I'm sure if I you know, had two or three glasses of wine every day, I could develop that problem, but yeah. I just never, never had an issue with it. So I think about, I feel very, like if I decide to have a drink, I feel very clear about it because it's not something I have often. And I can very much evaluate like, Hey, is this worth it or not? And ironically, the less that I have it, the less often it becomes worth it for me. And so the, I found this exact thing to be true with like those processed foods that you know, hey, I, I could have this, but once you're once you've gotten enough distance, you start to feel so good, like that almost becomes a 
positive addiction. And it's, it's like, I can see it, when you're in the throes of binge eating or when you're in the throes of bulimia, it feels like it can feel like you're restricting yourself because you're not having something, even if it's just for a period of time, because your brain is so hooked on it. But then once your brain gets away from that and you have clarity and you feel so good, it's like that in itself almost becomes an addiction, like a positive addiction. And, and you don't want to, you don't want to mess that up. I'm not saying you can never have those things, but it just, your, your sense of worth it changes uh, from yeah. doing that. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of like the, for me too, I have to be like a little bit careful with alcohol. So the less often I have it, the less I have a desire for it, unless I'm kind of like, like, like it could be fun, but like, do I really want to do that right now? I don't feel as good when I have it, that sort of stuff. And um, I like that you said, like, it's not like you'll never have it, but over time it becomes this thing where it's just much better to keep on going with the habits that you're in. I find the same case for a lot of people that they stop binging and at first. It's really, really awful and hard and difficult. But as you said, you know, as you get further away from it, each day gets a little bit easier, a little bit more clarity, and then it becomes less and less worth it to go back to it, even if it's appealing. And for me, like I'll still experience urges sometimes, but I've just gotten so much distance from it. I'm like, no freaking way are we going back to that it is certainly not worth it like because even if you could just do it one time like which it never is it that's opening pandora's box so you just don't want to go into it um there was i should have taken more notes when you're talking because there's a lot of good stuff you said there oh the alcohol thing too i love i remember that conversation and i use that conversation a lot in examples with other clients that we had about alcohol because i was like it's brilliant and for those of you guys listening, I think Seth is brilliant. So like definitely good conversations are all around. But uh, if you could think about something that you have a healthy, moderate relationship with and then compare it to how you're eating food or you can try to use that as a model example, I think that's so good. That's kind of what you do with alcohol, a little bit of being like, okay, with alcohol, I can have it in moderation. I can have it sometimes. It's not a big deal. But with food, it's like all or nothing or or this thing where you feel like you're restricting if you don't have it. So seeing it the way you see alcohol was really helpful to you. And I think that's a good thing to bring up. Yeah, that, that was a huge thing. And ironically for me, um, I, found, I found I resonated more with, I actually read and I read a lot of um, like Quitlet for alcohol um, because I mm -hmm. found that for me, that resonated more than it did with food because I, but I felt the same way with bulimia as people did with having a drinking issue. So like, I mean, it was almost, it, it lined up in a lot of ways for me. I know you can't just quit food, but I think <laughs> yeah. for a period of time, you can quit, you know, the foods that are, are triggering, you know, it's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're, you're trying to stop eating broccoli unless it's, you know, it's like, it's like a volume thing or something like that. Right. But I think, yeah, comparing, comparing something that you, like when I thought about alcohol and my relationship with it, I also thought about how often do I even think about alcohol? Like how often do I wake up and the first thought in my head is like, I need to get some alcohol. Uh, and it's like never. And so I thought about that and I thought, well, why is that? And I even thought about the first food that I ever binged on was, was uh, peanut butter. And that was like 12 years ago in, in college. But I, I thought about it and I don't even, I haven't bought peanut butter. I haven't or almond butter or whatever it is for a long time. And it's not like I'm thinking every single day, like, oh, well, why didn't I, you know, 
I need to let myself have this. It's like literally, I, it doesn't even cross my mind. Or I thought about like video games before, like when I was in high school, I played a lot of video games. It wasn't an addiction or anything like that. But I think about, I just decided to not buy them at one point because I knew they were going to distract me from the things I wanted to do. And I think about it now and it's like, it, it doesn't cross my mind. If it comes up, I'll, you know, I'll play it. I'll, I'll have a drink every now and then. But comparing that to how often you're thinking about something and my favorite analogy that you've had is just the breaking up with bulimia because if you it, like you said when you break up with somebody you're not like calling them every day and be like hey just wanted to chat I know we're like you know <laughs> we're broken up but just wanted to chat and have to talk about a few things uh you kind of get that distance from them and you start to build a new life um outside of it and then when you you know if you see that person again it's like a casual hello but I've, I've heard somebody say this about alcohol about making it small and irrelevant um in your life and it's like when you when your when your new normal becomes your life like your actual life the things you want to do the things you're pursuing the the goals that you're chasing um you know the those foods that were once everything become you know a passing thought or something that comes up every once in a while but it's not it's not all consuming it's yeah. just a completely yeah. different relationship yeah your life gets and I like what you said also in the, in the beginning too, of if you're, when you're stopping those things, you're including other stuff in your life too, and making those things bigger and bigger. And then it, those things, they just really get wrestled out and just pushed out, you know, cause there's just no more room for them and no more room for them. And they become irrelevant, small and irrelevant. Like you're saying, it's true. Yeah. And, uh, and also <laughs> there's like gardeners outside. So if you hear like random loud noises <laughs> and I suddenly go on mute, that's why. <laughs> um, but, uh, so sorry, everyone listening as well, but I wanted to ask you, um, you said something interesting too, about like, you're not in a rational state of mind. So taking action quickly, how did you, and then also recognizing kind of the, the telltale signs that you were binging, like the things that you would do that totally led to binging, there was nothing else. So how'd you just stop doing that or like get yourself to pause that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it didn't happen on the first try. So I will what? say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish, right? Like we all wish mm -hmm. it could, could happen on the first try. For most people, it doesn't. Um, but I think for me, it was, it was being, it was putting my foot down. I think the way I could articulate with myself, um, it was, it was kind of, I just, I, I finally stepped back at one point and I thought, you know what? I feel like I have two different minds within me right now. I feel like there's a part of me that just wants to binge and purge for the rest of my life um, and sacrifice everything uh, just, just to do that. And mm -hmm. there's a part of me that has hopes and dreams and, and goals and, that part of me feels like it's been, it's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And I've become much more efficient at listening to that other part of me. And I, and so I thought, you know what, I, and again, this is something I read in a, like a quitlet with, with alcohol is she said, I wanted to have one version of myself. And so I realized I was like one of right now, it's very binary. I have like this very strong part of me that wants to binge and purge and I have this other part of me that is rational but that part is not it's not getting that much attention so I thought mm -hmm. I need to fully remove myself as much as I can from any thought 
uh, or you, know, you can't stop thoughts from coming sometimes, but you can decide the further, the further ahead you can decide to handle them um, and what you're going to do about them, I think the easier it is. So for me, it was- You can react to them differently, but you can yeah. thinking they're going to come up, but you can disengage. You have the choice there. Absolutely. And one of those, one of the big things for me was I needed to cut off the, I needed to cut off the fight with that other version of myself. So a phrase that I kept repeating in my head a lot was don't even consider. It's like, it's not mm -hmm. even an option. And because the second that I would start to consider, well, maybe let's just, you know, let's just try to moderate. Let's just, you know, we learned, we read, you read this on somebody's Instagram post. So let's just try this mindset today. Um, you don't really need to do this. Like you can, you can, you can actually moderate. Like you just need to go prove it to yourself now. That would always, because it's like, we, yeah. we know ourselves so well, we know what thoughts will work. And so I just had to, I had to step away from that and say, you know what, maybe that will work. Maybe that, maybe I could moderate, you know, like maybe I could do this, but right now I've committed to, to taking a break from these foods. And I'm just going to trust that all these crazy thoughts I'm having right now, uh, over time, I'm going to be able to look back on them with more clarity. And for me, that first aim was like, was 30 days. And mm -hmm. it was that 30 days with the mindset of, Hey, if I mess up, like, that's okay. I'm just going to get right. Like my aim is for that 30 days. So I'm not going to beat myself up. If it happens. One thing I started to tell myself was like, of course you messed up. Like this is, ah. this is, look how long you've been doing this. Like, it's not, um, I heard someone say one time, like, it's not a, it's not a mystery that we, why people do drugs. It's, it's a mystery why not all of us are doing drugs all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's so good that you said that. Like people, it's like being shocked when someone cuts you off in traffic. It's like, oh my God, how could they? And it's like, well, of course they did. You know, of course <laughs> right. that happened. Right. So I think just not being surprised about that and just having having grace with myself and saying, you know what, like, but also on the flip side of that, every day that I made a step forward, it was like, Hey, I just took, you know, I, I put a brick in the wall of building a new mindset today. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that it wasn't, you know, I, I would, I would also get this anxiety about, well, okay, well, what after the, what about after the 30 days, what are you gonna do? What if you relapse? What if you go back to this, what if you go back to that? And it was like, that thought was very pesky and that would happen over and over. And it was like, well, I, you know, what am I going to do at that point? But I also, I, that's when I had to trust that I would be in a different mindset a month from now, do, having done this. And it was like, okay, well, I'm just going to reserve my decision-making until that time, until I'm at a clear state of mind. And then I can decide uh, what, you know, what I want to do next or what I want to do moving forward. And for me, that was a really hard thing to get a hold of. That's what kept tripping me up was that anxiety about the future um, but when I just decided to put all those thoughts on reserve and what this looked like in action, by the way, is not, it wasn't never going to the grocery store, but it was just being like, when I went to the grocery store, I went in, I got what I wanted. I didn't linger down the aisles about uh, with the things that I would usually binge on. Um, mm -hmm. I thought about how many times I left the, our, how many times I left our apartment to quote unquote, go for a drive and just listen to a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew where that always led. And so I thought, is, is this associated in any way with what I used to do? And if it was, I just, I didn't even open that box. 
And the more that I did that, the easier it became. And the, the more I could look back on those habits and those thoughts, and the more, the more I could be mindful. It was like all the things with intuitive eating and being mindful became easier as I got some distance from those foods and from what they were, the way that they were affecting my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You just needed like a full on break from it. And the way you articulated that was really good. Like finding out what was associated with it and just not even engaging. I love that you, the thought of don't even consider that's just because like the moment you start to negotiate and the moment you start to like have a conversation, it's, it's kind of, this is maybe a bad analogy or a mean analogy, but it's kind of like someone who is just like a little bit crazy, you know, on the street and (laughs) Like, it's not that you don't want, you don't wish them ill, but you're not going to necessarily engage because you know, the second that you talk, like a salesman or something, the second you talk to them, they know that you are, they're there and they're going to keep on talking and keep on trying to convince you either until you either say something with like even more immense effort, because then you're in the situation now, you have to deny them in some sort of way or you give in. So that's like the only two, you're forced into a corner. If you don't engage, you're kind of watching on the outside while you're watching some poor other sucker talking to this person. So that's a really good example and thing to say. And then something else you said, which is like trust with action and trusting the future. I, myself, I always do that to myself too, but um, you always think, what am I going to do in 30 days? I do that all the time with um, like business stuff and like my future. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And it's like, no, this is working now. And whenever you're questioning that, a lot of people do the same thing as you, where it's like, what am I going to do in 30 days? How is this going to upkeep? Whatever. It It's almost like you're not, you're not trusting yourself, right? It's this lack of trust in yourself to be able to make a rational decision, to be able to make good decisions and I don't know why we do that because we're pretty like you, you know how to be an adult, you know, <laughs> get up and yeah. make decisions for yourself. But then our brain just likes to panic. So I like that you call that out as a big worry for you and you were able to kind of just disengage from it or try to be like, it doesn't matter. Um, something I do for that too, um, especially if I'm thinking about like some project or something and I'm like, I can't even fathom how I'm going to do this um, and plan it out. I just try to take it like, what do I need to do today? And that seems to help calm that worry and anxiety down. Yes, that that's such a that's such a key is it's 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 why I understand why you know Alcoholics Anonymous or different people say, you know, just worry about today. Like I'm just going to follow through with this today. But a, part of that for me, like I said, was always trusting that I would be in a little bit clearer of a state of mind like tomorrow. And I think about it. The way again back to alcohol for me if i if i have what well, at this age if i have like two drinks i have pretty much have a hangover the next day um <laughs> but but i'm not thinking like you know i'm not thinking like what is wrong with me the next day like i i just i know that i'm gonna feel i'm gonna feel like shit for a while and i have to kind of let that pass and so it, i i'm not surprised by it i just you know but i also know that I'm going to feel better. And it's like, Hey, I'm like, it's going to be easier to make good choices tomorrow after this kind of this hangover kind of wears off. And I think it's, it's maybe it's not a literal hangover, but I think, and I I've looked at this from a, a neurochemical level and there's so much, there's studies and evidence to back this up the way dopamine um, down regulates in your brain. So I also kind of yeah. knowing that, that like, Hey, this is actually normal. Like 
if somebody else was to take the exact same actions I have for, over the past year or the past 10, 12 years, like they would be experiencing the same things I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's uh, kind of going that way. And also one thing I meant to mention earlier was this idea of one thought that would kind of would creep in my head a lot when I was going through this was like, you're restricting yourself. And mm. so what I decided to flip that and I would say, well, actually having those foods all the time in the amount that I was having them was actually restricting my life. Like it was restricting the things that I wanted to do, the things that I wanted the most, um, which is why I didn't want to just keep doing it. Because if it, if it wasn't restricting my life in some way, if, if you could binge and purge with zero consequences, I mean, I'm pretty sure we'd all be doing it, right? But it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the consequences that are the problem. And so when I thought, no, actually my life is being restricted right now. So I need to change that first um, before I can reintroduce these foods to a level where they're not, where they're not restricting my life anymore, where, where they're adding to my life. You know, for example, if, you know, when I have, again, continually, continually going back to alcohol, if I have a drink, maybe it's probably going to be at like a rare occasion where like maybe somebody makes a, like an old fashioned that I, you know, that's just out of this world and it's, I'm on a trip or something like that. It's a special occasion, but it also plays into the experience. And so I thought about right. that. I'm like, how many things do I indulge in? Because it's part of the experience. It, it's not the experience itself. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of taking a step back and, and flipping that mindset on its head was, was really helpful for me. Yeah, that is important because I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm sure a lot of people listening, especially if you're in the eating disorder recovery realm, a lot of people would hear what you said and be like, oh, taking away all foods. Like, no, th there's a huge, obviously, population, as you know, that thinks, no, you just need to give in to every craving, desire, and urge, um, and that will eventually fix the problem. And I don't, I don't think that's true. Um, and I, myself, I didn't have ice cream in the house. I didn't have cakes or things that were really bingeable for me. Um, I had some stuff and I tried to like eat intuitively, but I did remove some of those foods that were just really so so tempting for me at the time and I eventually reintroduced them um but I remember it was a while before I got myself like an actual container of peanut butter or um something that was more than a pint of ice cream and you you're really like scared to do it and reintroduce it and when you do you're kind of like oh my god I can handle it but it takes time so removing those things like you said maybe it's restricting the food but it's also restricting your life every time you have that and honestly um, and this is going to be maybe controversial because it sounds like such a diet thing, but if we had to go without ice cream for the rest of our life, it would be a okay right like ice cream does not equal happiness and like you said food on a special occasion stuff like that it's more about the experience in the food itself. It's not, um, it's not that big of a deal. And I'd rather, like you said, live a life that's very full than have all the all the Oreos in the world it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right on. And I think what, I just lost my train of thought here. Oh yeah. It's like, <laughs> I you do said, it all the um, time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea of if someone told you, you couldn't have ice cream ever again, like you'd probably be pretty disappointed, but you mm -hmm. wouldn't feel like your life just ended. And when you're no. in, <laughs> when you're in like the midst of bulimia, it kind of feels like that. So when, so it's, it's totally different when somebody that is through their eating disorder or has you know, has enough time and distance from it. And that is to me, the, that is one of the key factors. It's the most unsexy thing, but just time, like things take time. You have to time and repetition. It took time to get here. 
it's going to take time to get out of it. But if you, you know, if, if you think about somebody that's telling you to have everything in moderation from a point of not being in the midst of an eating disorder, well, for them, that's a completely different vantage point than you mm -hmm. having everything in moderation or you intuitive eating when you're, when you're in the middle of this, what I would say, like kind of a faulty brain wiring that has been acquired over time. So it's just, the context is, is so key. So it's, it's like you said, you're, you can be just focused on today. Um, you know, it's like, it's like somebody that say I used to run a long time ago and it's like, it'd be like somebody that has run, you know, 10 marathons telling me like, Hey, you just need to like, you know, you just uh, stick with your training plan and you just need to, uh, you know, you need to hit these six, six minute mile splits and, and you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that's great. Yeah, but, great. uh, I just started running a mile, you know, like three days ago. So, mm -hmm. but you also trust that, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll have that person's vantage point, um, down the road, but right now, like, I'm just trying to get to running two miles at a, at a 12 minute pace, you know, or something like that. But you know, that if you keep doing it, if you stick with the process, like you will get stronger. And it's the same with your mind. Like you will get stronger over time. If you just, if you trust that, that, that those changes will take place. And you focus on the things that are that are new, and um, sometimes that's scary. Like for me, I would start to have this this kind of fear of, or not fear, but this maybe anxiety about the things that I haven't been doing. And I would have to flip that and say, you know what? Like I haven't been doing those things because I've been stuck in this habit and this addiction. And I just like even if I did nothing today, but follow through with what I said I was going to do for my for eating, like I took a huge step forward today towards those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. It's and so many people spend time with that of like, oh my God, I haven't been doing enough. I've lost all this time or that sort of stuff. And it's not helpful because you're in it. Doesn't even matter. Like you can't take back the time. You can't change it. And it's better to just recognize the progress that you're making right now. And it's it's so hard to believe for people out there listening, but the bulimia, the disorder you're going through it does make you stronger in a way on the other side. Like, you know how to deal with something that no one else has had to, not, not a lot of people have had to deal with. You know, you have now, you've gone through the experience. I heard this from someone else and I'm forgetting who, but you've gone through the experience of having to completely rewire your brain and change your habits. And you, you know, you went through excruciating discomfort of changing that habitual thing that you did all the time, every single day not a lot of other people have had an experience like that. They don't, they don't have to, they just like are going about their normal daily lives, which is fine, but to change something so um, ingrained really changes you and in, in a better way. I think it's so the skill that you learn in bulimia recovery and binge eating disorder recovery is so transferable to a lot of stuff. So even if it doesn't feel like a huge progress or a huge thing accomplishment to not binge one day and you're like oh good for you um very sarcastically it actually is gigantic and, and it can help you with so many other things in life so i'm glad that you brought that up i was yeah. going to ask you since um well actually let me check my notes real quick uh, there was one other thing i want to tell you but I've... it's gone now as well but um i wanted to ask you basically what to wrap things up a little bit if someone out there is struggling with bulimia, what would you say to them, given all the things we, we just said? Yeah, I, so I did think of what I was going to say before, uh, telling off of what okay. you said, and it kind of, it kind of parlays into this as well, which is one of my favorite quotes is the greater the struggle, the greater the victory. And I think that 
when you've been through a struggle like that, and this is even on a, a neurochemical level as well, where when, you're, when your brain is used to getting those extremely high hits of pleasure, it kind of downregulates so that you don't get as much enjoyment out of simple things like, you know, just time with your partner or, or like being with friends or just like, you know, a sunset, the things that mm-hmm. just normal things that people get enjoyment out of, you can't get that, you don't get that same enjoyment um, because your pleasure centers are so off kilter. And so when you get that back, it's like those things are, are 10 times more enjoyable and you embrace those little things so much more. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's cheesy to say, but like life is more beautiful because you've been, because you've seen that and because you've been to that uh, struggle and now you're on the other side of it with that mental clarity. Um, but I would say with anybody that's going through bulimia right now or binge eating or, or whatever it is, I think the first thing is to have some grace for yourself and realize that you, because of repetition, because of time, it's, it's normal to feel like, um, to feel sometimes out of control or to feel frustrated with yourself. Like that's totally normal. And if you're not, if you're not feeling like that, like allow yourself to, um, and I, and I would say the second thing, yeah, like allow yourself to, you know, normalize or not normalize, but to not be surprised by the fact that you did a habit that you've done almost every single day for years or however however long. And I would say, try different things out, but I would say, do that, do them, try them with the mindset that accompanies them. So if I was to just tell somebody, oh, you just need to stop eating, you know, these foods for 30 days and you'll be good. It's, it's not just that it's, it's, you need to, and again, this is what works for me, but whether it's intuitive eating or whatever you think resonates with you, you know, give it a try, but go all in when you give it a try and, and allow your mindset to change with it. So it's, it's not just, Hey, I'm giving up these things, but I'm also, that doesn't mean I'm going to the grocery store every day, looking longingly at the ice cream and being like, Oh, I'm not having this (laughs) today. And just like shaking my fist. I'm, I'm trying to focus on other things and realize that. And I think the biggest thing is having that growth mindset. Like you said, like where you are now, you know, I think three years later, completely different mindset than you were when you first first started but it takes time and just realize that every single day that you practice that new mindset like it's it's not going to come naturally it has to be not forced but it has to be intentional um and so i think one thing that helps with that is having guidance from somebody else that has been there where you're at and they can kind of remind you that, Hey, like, I know what you're going through right now. I know it feels like everything in you wants to do this or everything in Mm. in you wants to go back to your old ways. But if you just trust me, like, you know, metaphorically, like hold my hand and just (laughs) stick with it. And, and I promise you, like, you're going to be a different, you're going to be in a different mindset 30 days from now, or maybe it takes more than 30 days. Like it's going to take, it's not going to be an overnight recovery. Maybe it takes a year, but it's not like, you spend that whole year and everything sucks. And then on the 366th day, like everything's better. It's like, no, you get, a little, <laughs> yeah. you get a little bit better throughout the entire process. And so, and that's, that's part of what, that's part of what is engaging about going, going through a process is that you get better and you grow stronger as you go through it. And so three months from now, you'll be in a different headspace. Maybe you're not hundred percent recovered, but you're in a different headspace and recovery becomes more clear and you you're able to look back with more clarity 
to find what works for you. But I think that big thing is like having somebody that has guidance that has been there and can can help pull you through, walk, walk through the minefield ahead of you so you don't step on them essentially. Um, mm-hmm. But also, also forgiving yourself in the process. So for example, with what worked for me, if I went four days and then I binge and purge, I'm like, okay, well that's that's four days. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna keep shooting for 30, and then maybe it maybe the next time I hit 15, and maybe I go you know binge and purge again. And it's allowing yourself to have those road bumps and realizing like you can either see that as oh man I messed up I'm like back at square one, or you can see that as like holy shit like I just went you know 15 days without doing this, or I went three days right. without doing this, something that is extremely hard to do. And, and yeah, okay, I messed up, of course, no big deal. Um, but then you, it's where you put your aim. Your aim is whatever target you set for yourself. And just having that aim, even if you don't hit it, having the aim can produce positive emotion to continue to help you move forward um, to new things. And just even having the curiosity of like, what will my life be like when this is no longer an issue for me. Like just mm-hmm. having that curiosity is something to look forward to in itself. So yeah, long-winded answer. I'm, yeah, no, it was a great answer. There's so much value packed in this episode. I agree that looking forward to, it's a good question of what will, who, will, who will I be if I'm not, if I am not struggling with bulimia is a big question. And for a lot of people, what they think they'll be like is actually not even doesn't even scrape the surface of what they're actually going to be like. And there's so much you learn along the way. And it's really, really amazing. And looking forward to recovery from an excitement base. I've been talking about this a lot in my course too, and the Facebook lives is that you need to drive yourself from kind of love and excitement versus fear. A lot of people try to recover from this place of like, well, you're, you know, damaging your body and you could die and all this sort of stuff. And that just this just makes you more stressed out and you already know it. And it doesn't seem to, I think they did a study with smokers actually where that like those ads where it's like thinking about how your lungs are, are changing over time. Like that doesn't help, but like maybe ads where it's like, it's not cool. The smoke is actually more effective, <laughs> which is silly. Um, but yeah, I agree. Driving from excitement. And um, oh, there's so many good things you say, but I should have taken more notes, but I, I think that this episode we could talk all day about it. it has been amazing so thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything um i do i do think out there people listening they're gonna find this episode quite comforting because they're gonna be like ah okay maybe i just need to go all in on one thing maybe you just need to try some things oh and the other thing i was gonna say is maybe it's okay that while i'm recovering now covering right now i don't feel amazing because you're not necessarily supposed to be amazing something you said where it's like the process actually doesn't feel super good it gets better over time but when you have all that your dopamine's not regulated you have all that things all those things going on there is that void that happens that it just feels like normal things aren't fun for you anymore but that seeing you and being like it actually does go away is just more renewed um hope for people so thank you for sharing that but anyway um where can people find you at um so i am on instagram at uh, my full name and middle initial it's just seth a barner um i'm actually going to be starting a new instagram fairly soon um pretty soon here pretty soon starting a podcast uh in the next month or so here um so inspired by you so thank you for that awesome Um, when will that because this episode will be out later so when do you think so that's gonna be i'd out? say i'd say beginning of november 
um, okay. first episode. Um, and one quick thing I wanted to say to kind of tail off what you said before mm-hmm. uh, is that when, and you talked about this on a podcast before, it's like, when are you recovered? It's like, you can be recovered right now. You can identify yourself as a recovered person. And then every single day that you, that you follow through with what you said you were going to do, that you go all in, um, instead of having one foot in, one foot out, um, every single day that you go all in and do that, you're just, you can see that as evidence that you are recovered, that you're a recovered person and you're just, you're hitting some road bumps along the way, but you're still going up, like no matter what. So having that as evidence, I think is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you so much for having me. This is, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I know, yeah. We always enjoy conversations together. I feel like we yeah. can always talk, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it'd be useful. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, my pleasure. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out the Binge Breakers Recovery course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com recovery course.